been going down the K hole of React videos. Mm. Uh, you uh, know, the Fine Brothers Entertainment properties, or just React um, in general? Yeah, well, both. But but mm. Mm. last it night, real, last night was strictly Fine Brothers. Uh. Um, and I stayed up like three hours past when I was I was planning on going to sleep. Uh, watching teens react, watching mm. teens adult, react, adults react, and uh, even elders react. Mm. Elders. Yeah. Not seniors. Elders. <laughs> elders elders react a little slow. Village elders. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> um so, Yeah. They some of them did react like that. Uh that but that led me to the other genre of videos that I that I so I needed to get off of that train. I needed to derail that. Otherwise it was just gonna keep going. Mm-hmm. And I derailed myself onto my other favorite video, which is the genre is people eat things from outside their specific culture and or country. Mm. Is this this so is like, like a mukbang, but so well, no, you got like Irish people try American chips oh. or uh, Koreans and Mexicans trade candy. Hmm. Like, have you ever seen those kind of videos? Uh, no, I don't think oh. so. Well, they're delightful. But it's a kind of cultural exchange. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, uh, it, you'll, you'll, in it'll, the, bust. in the broadest possible sense. <laughs> so, so there's like, there's like, uh, one channel that I especially watch that's just Irish people d- trying things. Mm. Um, and that one, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I, off the top of my head, I don't know why. Uh, facts. Period. Facts. F- facts. Is that what it is? Or no? Is that the old name of it? Oh, Fact, no. You mean like a? You mean like a? Uh, telephone facts? No. No. Irish people try. Just, just nope. Too, oh, the Try Channel. That's what it's called. Now. Oh, the, the Try. Tri- mm. The Try Channel. Irish people you got try your McDonald's. React channel. You got the Try Channel. Irish people try New American cereal. Oh, they try, they made Irish people try the Shamrock Shake. Yeah, the Irish Isn't people that a try little on the nose. Swedish Swedish chocolate. Mm. Um. Anyhow, then then the other one I watched recently was uh Trinidadian, aka Trini. Mm. People trade snacks with Jamaican people. Mm. Mm. I'm sure this is very interesting for the show, but the thing is, this is all leading to a point that blew my mind. They were trying this this drink that they made out of like assorted herbs and flowers, and it looked like they were dumping a packet of potpourri into the water to make oh, that's some sort of tea yeah interesting and and they were I hope they know it, what all those herbs do <laughs> what it what it does it do it was called they called it so, sorrel hmm. but when they said it was like sorrel oh. um and i was like that's a weird because sorrel is a leafy green herb but you wouldn't right. want to well, drink so it's like it's a kind of a tea i guess <clears throat> Sir, it would be like, it's actually not a tea. There's ooh. a word for there's a word for if you put there's a word for herbal teas because they're not technically teas because they don't have tea in them. Huh. It's a tisane. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I, I get the impression that they drink Sir. they drink it cold. And I was looking in it and I oh. was thinking, huh, that's weird. And they said and and someone said, Oh, you know, where in Trinidad this isn't called sorrel. It's called hibiscus. Hmm. That's hibiscus. That's hibiscus. I, indeed, said, I am on the Wikipedia, and it says, not to be confused with hibiscus sabdavrifa, the sorrel of the Caribbean used to make a beverage, which leads right. to hibiscus tea. Which, in Mexico, in Latin America, is something called jamaica. Ah, as in and Jamaica, I, but I never realized before that it was just 
their way of pronouncing Jamaica. Mm, right. And I've yeah, had the, Jamaica. The, you can get drink, that at any like Mexican place. Hmm. The drink is sometimes called Roselle or Rosella in Australia. Sorrel in Jamaica, Belize, Barbados, Guiana, Dominica, Trinidad and Tobago. Red Sorrel in the wider Caribbean. Agua slash Rosa de Jamaica. Jamaica. Jeez, I should know because I took Spanish classes. Jamaica, or simply Jamaica in the United States, Mexico, and Central America. It is also known as Zobo or Bisap in West African countries. Like, why all the names? What? I don't know. It's very interesting. Who's in charge here? I, <laughs> would someone please sort this out? Order! Order! <laughs> like, why? Right. <laughs> It's I so am crazy. looking here. I'm looking at a glass of cold Agua de Flor de Jamaica. Uh, and it looks a lot like a grape juice or a wine. Like it's a deep purple. Yeah. Yeah. Deep purple. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't think I've ever had hibiscus tea. It it's, says it has a tart cranberry like flavor. Yeah. It's got kind of like a makes your mouth pucker a little bit. Like it's 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 mm, good. Mm. It's not great. It um, says in Jamaica, you um, steep it with ginger, which sounds even better, to be honest. Oh, that now that wow, okay. Yeah. In Panama, oh, gee, sounds good. In Panama, both the flowers and the drink are called saril, a derivative of the English word sorrel. Wow, right? Uh, you but you wouldn't want to drink sorrel. Well, you pickle and boil the uh, the the flowers with chopped ginger, sugar, clove, cinnamon, and nutmeg. That's wow. almost like a mulling. It's like a it's like a spiced <laughs> cider kind of. Yeah, that's way different. Ginger. Yeah. Well, you know. So basically, what we've learned is that people like to put hibiscus in water, and yeah. they call it different kinds of things. I was just I just wanted to bring that up because it, I don't know, it just was um, enlightening to me. <laughs> what have you been thinking about? <laughs> well. Um, did you know that CPAC was last week? No, God! No, God, please, no! No! no. Uh, that is... No. That is the appropriate reaction. CPAC being the Conservative Political Action Conference. And what CPAC basically is, is that all of the people who are usually on Fox News, on the television... Instead, they gather at, uh, you know, some kind of hotel in the conference rooms yeah. and they talk about things. Um, and usually the things that they talk about uh, don't matter. Um, the only reason that CPAC is well, my question is my, somehow my, CPAC's I mean, attendance has spiked since like 2001 or something. It's very odd. What uh, is it? Is it is the. Is the political action conservative? Or is the committee conservative? Conservative or, political. Well, it's conservative political the, action conference. Oh, conference. So is the, mm -hmm. you know, like there's too many, too many verbs and like. Right. Yeah. It's, it's. Um, what's right. the, I don't know what goes I think it's what. a conference for conservative political action. Okay. So one thing that they do at CPAC, or at least that they used to do, is that they would do the straw poll. I don't know if you heard of this, but they basically um, would ask all the attendees, like, who do you want to be the conservative candidate for president? And mm -hmm. um, it's it almost always doesn't matter. It's almost always wrong, except in the cases of Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush, um, because Mitt Romney has won the most straw polls. And uh, obviously but, you can see where that got him. He hasn't won the most presidencies. No, in fact, he's won zero. Zero. Uh, yeah, he's won so. one nomination. Right. So hmm. yeah, it's um, it's a bit silly. But anyway, CPAC is usually um, it's interesting because um, a lot of people say a lot of usually very dumb things. It's basically they they put their foot in their mouth in public. Um, and they so. feel empowered because they're surrounded by people who think the same things as. Them. Right. So do you want to take a guess at who uh, was the first keynote speaker at CPAC? Um, I'll give a, you a hint. He a, uh, is currently the head of the NRA, but he used to do crimes. 
Oh, for, all for George H.W. Bush. Yes. <laughs> he took the stage uh, and he basically said that, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the way that Splinter summarizes it is that he demanded the American public reject anyone who'd have the audacity of lying to Congress and received a standing ovation, which is, of course, terribly ironic, given that he was, uh, you know, Convicted of lying. Found, right, of lying to Congress for Iran-Contra. And then he urged attendees to pray for the NRA, insisting that Democrats want to confiscate every privately owned firearm in the country, and that they ought to call themselves what they really are, the vanguard of the Disarm America movement. And honestly, that actually, Disarm America doesn't actually <laughs> sound that bad to me. But It's, it's damn! I know, right? Like, I, I can see the posters in my head. <laughs> Join Dan. Um, then Scott Walker, uh, previously governor of Wisconsin, took to the stage and said that. Um, you know, now he in, looks like in, a young boy dressing up as a vampire, but he didn't have the money to afford all of the costume. He just slicked his hair back, like. Right. Slicked his yeah. hair back and found some of his mom's white makeup. You mm -hmm. know, it didn't quite look right. That's what he looks like to me. So, right. So not trying to be lookist, but right. He was trying to spread a um a pro life message and he said that um some people take the babies home and kill the babies at home. Well which is I don't think so. I yeah. that's um <laughs> that sounds extremely complicated. <laughs> sounds I just, um, I don't know where they get, people are, they think that like a huge portion of people in America are like this bad. Like they think like, yeah, I, they I don't, would do something I don't, like that. I don't know where they heard that. And I don't know why they accept it as at face value. Like that, that someone told him this and he was like, yeah, sounds about right. It's sounds one plausible. of those things you hear that you, you wonder do they mean it metaphorically? And yeah. then you spend all kinds of brain power trying to discern the metaphor. And then you well, come back is, around what, and you're like, no, it's saying that uh, parody is indistinguishable from genuine feelings like at the extremes. I forget. But, you know, it's hard to tell if they're being serious or not. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's basically impossible to tell. Huh. Uh, well, then then Gorka got up there. Yeah. Art, you know, big fan of Art of War, all that. Um, he made mention of uh, uh, socialists hating Big Macs or whatever. Wow. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they hate Big Macs? Uh, yeah, they want to rebuild your home. They want to take away your hamburgers. This is what Stalin dreamt about but never achieved. <laughs> that was so. Stalin, Stalin's main goal. Yeah, his well, goal was shutting down every five no, guys on Earth. No wonder that one of the biggest achievements of uh, the Cold War was to get McDonald's into Russia. Right, exactly, exactly. It was a coup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you had, are you familiar with the My Pillow dude? <laughs> Am I familiar? <laughs> I, lo I love that guy with his, with his cross and his shirt. Yeah. He wears uh, the same thing. He was the a featured speaker at CPAC because oh, I don't know. Um, he claimed that God had chosen Donald Trump for such a time as this, and said that a miracle happened on November eighth, twenty sixteen. <laughs> uh, we were given a second chance and time granted to get our country back on track with our conservative values and getting people saved in Jesus's name. I was going to ask before you today. I see the greatest president of history. Of course, he is. He was chosen by God, which is. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Why are you the way that you are? I know <laughs> like, the only reason that, that this guy is uh, notable enough to be at CPAC is that he sold very expensive pillows, which he actually got sued. I was know, gonna ask relations. how he sleeps at night, but I on one of his <laughs> <laughs> on one of his pillows <laughs> on one of his like hundred dollar of... pillows. Does he do? Do we? Is it proper to say one of his my pillows? One of his my pillows. Yes. <laughs> Attorneys general. Oh, my no. pillows. No. No. <laughs> what? No. 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 We will not, dude. <laughs> mm. Order. Order. Will not Order. stand, man. Order. 
order. We are not saying attorneys general, even jokingly. Uh. Oh, oh, it's driving me insane. And it's and it's like it's people who should know better. It's people who are intelligent writer journalist types on podcast. Right. All, it's a, it's a little bit like this. a manual of style thing where it's like, well, Strunk and White says so- I should do this so I can be <laughs> like you don't you wouldn't dare disagree with Strunk and White, would you? It's like so obviously well, you think wrong. You're so smart. Like it's one of those things where you follow the rules literally, like on on building something. Like you follow the instructions yeah, are it's, obviously it's like wrong. Saying, and historic and historic. <laughs> uh, uh, it's th- that's something that people do that drive me. It just drives me nuts, and I don't know why, mm-hmm. but it's just. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Bruh. Mm-hmm. What were we talking about? Mm-hmm. CPAC. <laughs> CPAC. Uh, oh, my so pillow. let's get to the. Yeah, right. So that there was that guy. Then uh, Laura Ingram got up on stage. Yeah, and she's okay. one of the Fox News people, um, and she uh, used her time to talk about, you know, who the real bigots in America are. Well, who are they? Which is uh, liberals. It's the liberals, in fact, who are the racists, the real racists. I because apparently that. under Donald Trump, African-American, this is a quote, African-Americans, Latinos, and young people will have more freedom and more economic opportunity in the years than they will have ever had before. Oh. Um, and I'm wondering what... When does that take effect? Bizarro world she's living in that that is the case. When does that happen? Because that sounds good. I don't know. I've been waiting rather impatiently, to be honest. But like, <laughs> you get a little restless? Yeah, when do I get my economic opportunity? You know, come on, I'm over here. <laughs> I'm, I'm over, I'm walking here. Right, but then her advice to all the CPAC attendees was to, quote, stand defiantly against those who would demonize you, silence you, take snippets of what you say and beam them all over the internet, call you a racist, call you a xenophobe, call you a misogynist, call you every ist and ism that could come to mind. Look right back at them and say, you're the real racist, you're the real misogynist, you are anti-women because you think all women have to think like you. Which Boy. is... um. That's an interesting rhetorical strategy that involves completely ignoring any substantial argument in favor no. of just going, no, no you, no, no, you no, are. you, no, you, no, you are, it's like, you, you know, it's like stealing someone's wallet and they say, Hey, you have my wallet. And you say, no, you have your wallet. It doesn't make any sense. No, you have your wallet. I have you my stole, wallet. You stole my wallet. No, you did. No, no, you, you did. did that. I didn't. No, you, do that. you did that. <laughs> it's not a. It's not you, a. It's not a defense. It's not a defense. I mean, this is what. This is what five-year-olds say to each other on the playground. You know, like, no, you. I know you are, but what am I? No, you did that. I didn't do that. I and just it, don't. It just. It, it's <laughs> the fact that they think that denying the reality that everyone can plainly see is ineffective. Uh, debate strategy is is kind of amusing and kind of sad. I have a friend who was was we we like to text each other news stories as we see them throughout the day, which is probably healthy. Wait, wait, back um, up a second. You have a friend? I have. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Continue. Wow. And. Anyhow, I, um, I just want to be clear. That was a joke for any <laughs> listeners. That was a joke. <laughs> my my friend was was like mm-hmm. sending me a lot of clips of like uh, conservative type, like conservative political action committee type people saying like really just brazenly untrue things. And then some uh, whatever the parallel version of for for democrats is being like um i think you'll find sir that like trying to own them but they they're just correcting them you know like this per- this person says a brazen lie and this person's like actually that's not true and then everyone's like oh dang oh and and i was like honestly i i'm so tired of this and he's like why do they keep lying so much and i said like the lying is the point. Like they don't believe it really. Like maybe some of them do, 
but they're not, they don't care if it's a lie or not. They're just trying to perpetuate the message. And, and that's, uh, it's, have you have you heard of the philosophy tube? I think you have. You we were talking. About I have. That. Yes. He's he's got this video where he talks about Antifa. Mm-hmm. Antifa. I don't. Antifa. I mean, Antifa. Antifa. <laughs> Antifa. He's uh got this video where he talks about and Antifa and <laughs> You know, I have a theory about why they like Antifa, which we'll come back to in a moment. Well, but continue. But um. Well, should I just play the part that he... T- well, it's kind of long. But the, the point is that by repeating the message, it's like almost almost what some people would call a dog whistle, but it's not a dog whistle necessarily. But what it is, is it's meant to, to signal some deeper underlying truth that, that people who are in on it receive. Like... So if you keep saying the thing, even though we all know it's not really true, mm-hmm. we we it's a it's a it's an it's a way to build group solidarity, mm. which is interesting because in the in the the Michael Cohen hearings, he was talking about how Donald Trump operates and how he he just says there is no Russia thing, right? And and that's his way of telling you that's the line. That's what you're supposed to say. He doesn't yeah. tell you to lie. He right. just repeats the lie, and then you repeat the lie. Right. He, and, he, does, he doesn't instruct you to lie. He states the lie, and then the unspoken expectation is that you understand that that is the lie which you are re- meant to repeat. And we're all in on it. We're all behind our screens. We're all touching our nose when we repeat the lie. I, I get it. I get it. I know what you really mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what's going on, and it was funny because... When I told that to my friend, he was like, it like completely changed. <laughs> like, oh, dang. <laughs> and when you start looking at this whole thing from that perspective, it actually kind of helps because you realize what to like get frustrated about, and what not to get frustrated about. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so the Laura Ingram thing, you're like, that's insane. <laughs> right. But then you well, realize, I think- oh, it's not supposed to be sane. Right. And I think one thing, too, is that, you know, when they say things like they say there is no Russian collusion or they say, I am not a racist, that, you know, it's they're basically telling you the truth if you just flip it around, you know, like they're basically. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, they could make it more complicated if they were cleverer, but all they're doing is inverting the truth. (laughs) Right. If you negate the lie, you get to the truth. It's really easy to figure out what the actual truth is. They've made it quite easy for us. So (laughs) the same thing when they when they say what what their opponents are doing, like they claim their opponents are committing massive voter fraud and it's like well now we know that you guys are committing yeah, in fact <laughs> and you look at it and it turns out oh yeah they are yeah or you know yeah like whenever trump was like oh if there is a shutdown it would be the democrats fault it's like okay okay glad we're glad we're clear on that one but we've uh yeah yeah glad we've sorted that out guess we can close the file on that one <laughs> it's an interesting world and it kind of I think that kind of takes us to one of our main topics that we wanted to talk about which mm. was yeah, a please. question that you had uh, let's, like, let's transition what, um, what do leftist skeptics of Trump and Russia have to gain from doubting that it happened yeah which is a so, good question right so there's you know there's a lot of um, people on the left who are trying to debunk the um you know trump russia collusion whatever whatever you want to call it um it's interesting that we aren't calling it russia gate um and that it's it's like the first big scandal that we haven't called gate and it's like the only one where that could actually well you know watergate yeah. right watergate <laughs> watergate gate but anywho, you know, there there there's people on the left who are putting as much effort into trying to dismantle this investigation as there are people on the right and I do not understand what they are trying to prove and what their motivations are. Like are they just that cynical about the American populace that they're like 
you know, oh, clearly, even without Russian involvement, all the people would have voted for Trump. And they just want to be sort of pessimistic about, you know, um, Americans in general and their political bent or or what? I, I guess, yeah. you know, I, you see people online who are basically carrying water for Trump and, and you know. For or for Russia. Orbit, or for Russia. And I, they're, um, you know, it, it's it's counter to the politics that they claim to adhere to and it doesn't make any sense it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't add up yeah well for one thing it's important to note i oh gosh i'm telling myself i need to stop saying that that phrase like it's important to because that sounds Mm. like the truth decides what's important (laughs) the The facts are that there are (laughs) there there are very unhinged people on both sides of this issue so there are people who think that Russia is mind controlling people that that mm-hmm. that everything is a psyop and you can blame Like is it is it some kind of double triple turns out where in fact the Russia collusion story is a Russian plant to distract us all from something else? <laughs> There's like Luis Mensch people who are who are mm-hmm. like Yeah, the it brings only, me no joy. The the only um paradigm through which they can see anything is this bizarre new cold war thing which is which right. is crazy pants arrest warrants have been issued yes they're like the QAnon conspiracy people yeah. on the left you say that though it is it is um uh you know yeah people like to imagine that we're in some sort of new cold war with russia um i don't think that makes sense because russia is not in a particularly strong position right now except in that they have lots of oil and gas but like their military is not really that capable of challenging us in the way that it used to be like their navy is basically rusting to pieces as we speak yeah i think we are in a kind of new cold war but i think it's with china yeah (laughs) but i think people don't want to acknowledge that or they just don't realize it yeah so the so russia's a familiar foe yeah well and they're particularly like i mean Vladimir Putin is nefarious and bad, and so it's easy to make him the poster boy. Oh, it's really easy to draw a line from him back to like Stalin or something. Yeah, he's not a good dude. So, so there's that side. Ipso facto, ergo, you know, QED. So then, so then (laughs) on the right, on the right, there's also this virulent Cold Warrior neocon faction that is also very willing to to play up that too because they think that the best of times were when we had russia as an enemy and we can't really trust them the cold war never really ended and yeah coincidentally when the cold war was happening trillions and trillions of dollars i got more government contracts right for my district (laughs) so and people like that so let's go back to that so so i think the 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 these people are trying to to the the leftists that are like skeptical um are trying to make sure that they're not mistaken as either of those camps but mm-hmm. i think they care so much about being mistaken for those camps that they like create a third idiocy right it, it's <laughs> it's interesting to me you know i don't know my two thoughts are like the one motivation that I can see is that, you know, it's like, well, they're not doing anything rational. So like, are they just getting paid to do this? But that seems a little bit conspiratorial. So I'm just like, are they just trying to stand apart from the crowd and be a contrarian and be like, well, I don't believe the the thing that the rest of you believe, you know, just so that they are. Yeah. Just, (laughs) just to stir things up. I try to do something. (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, I you know, I, there's I, there's people that even when the political, you know, winds change, they still have to be, you know, different. They have to be a contrarian. Right. And it's well, like and but things not, just changed in the favor of what you just said you were in support of and they're like, well, you know, actually. Right. And that tells you that they're not anchored to any solid fact that they're right. moving around and that's not good. Yeah. I also think that there is a portion of leftist people who are they they really don't like the idea of impugning Russia because they 
that's only like one or two steps away from impugning socialism to them. Mm. And they don't want to admit that because then they have to argue that the Soviet Union is a good example of socialism, which they don't want to argue that because they know that's not a good argument, right? Yeah. I don't know why you'd be worried about something like that. You know, it, it it's a very easy thing for conservatives to be like, oh, well, the Soviet Union was socialist. Is that what you want? And it's also very easy to pick that argument apart and be like, Fatality. Yeah, <laughs> I don't no, know. I mean, I feel like how win. all you have to say is bread lines much. Right. And then it's- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, either, you either mention the Soviet Union or you mention Venezuela and it's like, boom, win. you know, socialism destroyed. Yep. Yeah. What's that guy? What's it? <laughs> oh my gosh. What's the uh, Ben Ben Sherman? Yes. No. Ben- <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a brand of shoes. <laughs> uh, British fashion icon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know ben who I'm Sonic talking about? Peter. Yeah. Ben yeah. Shapiro. Ben, ben Shapiro, yeah, and all his videos are like Ben Shapiro destroys socialist or whatever. Completely it's shreds. Just, it's just him with a mic. You know, someone's like, "Why don't you support socialism?" And he's like, "Well, have you seen Venezuela?" Like, boom! Right, exactly. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. <Got> him. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, yeah. So. You know, so, I guess this I is think, more generally that it's difficult to argue with anyone anymore because no one's going to change their mind by you going, you know, at least not the people Venezuela. you don't know on the Internet who, right. who are obviously uh, you, you aren't not arguing in good faith of the masses on Twitter. Right. If there was a skill that I wish I could, like, teach anyone, anyone like maybe I should do like a, a e-course on this. <laughs> It would be how to today's quickly, episode is sponsored by Aaron's new video course. <laughs> how to quickly distinguish between people who are arguing in good faith and not. Yeah, it's it's hard sometimes. And it's because of that thing that we said earlier that it's hard to know if people are being serious or not, if they're you know, parodying or if they are trolling or if they genuinely believe yeah. what they say. Yeah. It is like if the if the public discourse, if the acceptable public discourse has widened to the degree that it has now. It's almost impossible. Right. Um, Because there's all these like people from 4chan and their whole job is to go wade into Twitter threads and, you know, say like ridiculous things about the Holocaust or whatever that, you know, it's like clearly they don't believe it. They're just trying to make a mess. And there's, or like random crazy Russian bots that just are, Oh yeah, based the off Markov chains and saying weird things that you're like, is my this? wife. What? <laughs> like, it's sometimes you're like, is this a, even a person? It's hard to tell. Not really. Yeah. And then the thi- well, no, turns out <laughs> it's a simulacrum of a person. A lot of a lot of the people have adopted the language and the phrases and the things that the the simulated human bots have said because they see it a bunch. And so like now they've adopted. So like the AI is controlling the public disc. Yeah. Oh, no. Or at least the, you know, the carefully crafted bot campaigns. Oh, no. Oh, fighting or puking. And I think it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting or puking. Interesting. So now that we've solved the Russian problem. Right. We've, uh, yep, again, again, we can. Guess we can close the file on that one. Moving on. Workism. I found this, I found this article in uh, the Atlantic magazine. The Atlantic. Of no party or clique. Yes. Um whose premise is actually pretty interesting that uh yeah this sort of kind of dovetails with what we talked about last week right uh, so in relation to people not getting paid enough it talks about how 20th century economists envisioned this world of uh, increased leisure time and less work time because yeah. they rightly saw the efficiencies that were being created and the productivity growth 
And they mm-hmm. said, well, obviously, at some point, we're going to have to cut back on our work hours so that we can free up time for people. We're going to have like five day weekends. Yeah, like we're not um, going to have to work as much. We'll have it'll all be automated. Yeah, but the the author of this this piece, the piece is called Workism is Making Americans Miserable. Um, Derek and this, Thompson. Derek, Derek Thompson. Derek. But he says, uh, the economists of the early 20th century did not foresee that work might evolve from a means of material production to a means of identity production. They failed to anticipate that for the poor, the middle class, work would remain a necessity, but for college-educated elite, it would morph into a kind of religion, promising identity, transcendence, and community. Call it mm-hmm. workism. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I went... I'm an engineer. I went to, you know, uh, uh, a four-year college, and then I also did grad school. And it's definitely something that you hear from uh, your professors, from the uh, career people of the college, and from, like, recruiters for companies. That It's like, you know, it's important to find the kind of company that you'll enjoy working for because it's a part of your identity or whatever. And I definitely feel this way, too, that, like, it's it's so ingrained in me that when people insult the products that my company makes, I feel a little bit hurt. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't need to. <laughs> right. Know? And it's not even it's... specifically the product you work on. Right. Perhaps. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like, why is it? Why have I adopted it as, you know, part of my own self-worth? And, but well, I have. And it's you just, have. And you're playing right. along with what everyone else is doing. I know I'm a fool. I'm a fool. Well, here's the here's the flip side of it. I don't do that. Mm. I, I've I've always and I think and I am the least stressed man in the world. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> it is and 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 in a lot of ways it hasn't worked out for me because I know that I've missed a lot of opportunities. Um, right, and it, I it certainly um, incentivized in companies to yeah. be. You know, people a, a don't workist basically. I, Those are the people that get promoted or the workists. Yes, yeah, exactly. I don't get promotions and and because I've seen that you I'm don't care enough that I don't whatever. care and that right. they're right. I don't. I like this. I don't uh, let this crappy putting, job define uh, me. So, um, so you're not putting as much effort in as we'd like on your TPS reports. So, <laughs> uh, it's the, yeah. It's 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 bad and uh dude probably someone will listen to this and I'm going to get called into the office, but, mm-hmm. uh, this aggression will not stand man <laughs> but it's 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 really true like you kind of even if you don't really believe it you almost have to which is funny because it's kind of like a religion where if that religion is dominate is dominant dominant in your area like say you grow up somewhere that's like super heavily we'll say right. Catholic you're you're very much under the stress to live up to the norms the cultural norms of that right. religion and and you just grow up not questioning them because it's just the way yeah. that things are so reading this piece it did make me think like oh you know I've never really questioned well lately I have been more and more but it's like I've never really questioned the underlying premise here and this was yeah. um, sort of illustrated to me I had a friend in um, high school who went to my aunt's wedding with me and she is uh she grew up in uh an indian family so uh-huh. she had not been to like a christian wedding so she was asking me like what are they why are they doing that and like all this <laughs> stuff and i'm like you know i've never really thought about how completely bizarre this must seem to someone who just <laughs> isn't used to it you know right. it's just <laughs> it's like that's funny this all this <laughs> right it, it was just it was really eye opening to have that experience of trying to explain to someone well you know uh, the reason they do this is because of, you know, X, Y, Z thing. There's all kinds of symbolism that you tradition. take for granted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or this text that we're all working off of that we understand. It's Yeah, that's that's a fun. That's funny. So now that your eyes have been opened and you see the scales have fallen from my eyes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> you see this workism happening. Um well, I don't. I don't even really know what else to talk I see about. That here. I am a workist, so I used to describe myself as an unintentional workaholic, and I think what I meant by that is that I am a workist, and, yeah. and it, which is to say that I just find myself working more than I really would like to or am comfortable with, 
Yeah. You know, I just sort of wind up in it. And the reason that I wind up in it is because it's just sort of constructed that that's the way this happens, you know? And I think he gets, he gets to a, he gets, he starts, one of the things I don't like about the article is he, he starts to go down a path where he says like, one of the, the ways that we can explain this is that work has displaced other like important cultural um things that we that we would find meaning in and he he only really gives the example of religion um which i think is a good example but i don't think it's the only example so it's not like yeah i'm not oh sure we've become irreligious thing. so we've become workers i don't think that's right yeah i don't um, think you can make that leap of logic yeah but i do think it is an example of one reason for sure like we also don't have bowling leagues. People aren't masons. People aren't doing their sewing circles. People, you know what yeah. I mean? We're, right. We don't have these it's because uh, it's groups. not. It's become less prestigious to say like, "Oh, I'm a whatever degree Freemason," so much as it is to say, you know, I'm the vice president of whatever random made up title at my company, and people go, "Oh, neat," you know. Because and it, I think what's interesting is that you know you have a lot of these. Um, famous books and things like, you know, bowling alone and stuff that talks about the disintegration of the, the American, uh, culture, like our group identities, like social culture. Yeah. To make us very individualistic. Mm -hmm. But what this article brings up is something that I don't think is really discussed is the, is the fact that we're, I think we're confusing the, the outcome and the catalyst. Like, the catalyst wasn't the individualism that created the outcome. I think mm-hmm. it was the workism created the individualism. Like, right. Because it wasn't the loss a- of culture, it wasn't the loss of religion, the loss of those groups that led to workism. I think it was probably workism that edged out those other things. Right, because in a capitalist society, the only way for you to succeed is to beat out your peers. So it's hard to, you know, Have maintain community with else. them. Yeah. I mean, you come home from work and you're just completely exhausted. I don't know if you are. That's my experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, it is, it's hard to like, if, 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 you know, someone that you work with, like in your group gets a recognition of some kind, it's hard not to think about that in terms of, yeah, it's like, well, okay. Like, are they going to lap me basically? Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only person who thinks about that, but I don't think I am. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I just got to say though, all this individualism, uh, you think the libertarians must just love it. <laughs> uh, Cause they're, they're yeah. all about the individualism in theory, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I like that. They like to claim that America has always been an individualist country. And it's like, I don't, think that i don't true. think that's true <laughs> particularly considering yeah. most of the founding fathers were freemasons <laughs> and yeah well and, <laughs> and the same the, the the fact that like what probably a lot of them and like i have libertarian friends who aren't the wacky stereotype they're they make mm, a little mm. bit more sense but but the um you know they also a lot of them like love to watch band of brothers and cry and think about why why aren't we like that where we everyone was so unified and we 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 were caught up in this great cause of de- defeating the Nazis and it's like yeah this really collectivist um uh managed economy that <laughs> huh yeah <laughs> wonder how that was good for society in ways huh interesting mm-hmm. but they couldn't have that right um but this this piece it talks about millennials a lot because i think you know a lot of these effects They've started out with um, boomers and with Gen X, but they've really started coming to the fore with millennials in particular. And it talks about how millennials are the most educated generation ever, which you would think, and indeed I felt I was sort of promised, you know, would make us rich and secure. Um, But in fact, all it does is incur more student debt. Um, Right. And uh, uh, student debt is a great thing because it holds back every young person's ability to do basically anything that would help grow the economy and they can't be discharged in bankruptcy either. So (laughs) you can't get rid of them at all. They're just there. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But then it also talks about the effects of social media. And I thought that this was an interesting observation because it talks about how 
um, everyone sort of curates an image of themselves on social media. Yes. You know, they, they craft a, a brand, a personal brand. You know, they have all those. The, there's funny. I, I might have to send you. There's a um, YouTuber and he's done a couple of posts of um, like trap about where he talks about like travel influencers on Instagram and, you know, the, the aspirational um, photos that they all take of like holding hands with a beautiful person oh, and like really blue water me, and all this. Send stuff. me this. It's, it's this great. Is very but it's, much you know, my just, thing. It's all. It's 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 funny to imagine what they do in the moment after they finish taking the photo because it's like ultimately you're on a beach in some remote place. So like what? <laughs> it's like after yeah. you finished flexing on social media, then what are you doing? <laughs> but but it is. And I get this too, where I'll see friends um, on Instagram. They'll post like their Instagram stories and they'll be, um, you know, they'll be out and about for the evening or whatever, enjoying an evening with friends and I'll be at home alone. And it's hard not to yeah. feel inadequate about that. Yeah. Um, and to feel yeah. isolated. Yeah. Um, and individualized. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's funny is that they're out and about with friends. Ha um, having a performatively good time, right? In a performative like, so, way, right. so they're spending. They they can't actually be in the moment and actually enjoy it, really, because they're busy thinking about how they can portray this thing in a way right. that makes other people feel like they're having a good time. And it's so twisted. Yeah, I've definitely noticed a difference between people like myself. Like I will take pictures at social events, but it's more for. Um, memories to be honest and like a kind of documentation versus yeah. taking it to broadcast it you know and, and so i don't take that many photos i'm kind of choosy about what i take and i yeah. don't really share them widely um but you know other people who will just record like 20 straight minutes of video of whatever they're doing and and put it straight on the snapchat because they want people to see that for whatever reason and i don't I don't think I completely understand the reasons behind it because that's not something that I do. So it doesn't really make sense to me, but I definitely feel the effects of it. Well, I think it's the same thing that you see in workism because the good point that this article brings up is that um, it used to be that employers or the bosses, you know, the people at the top, the whole point was that they worked less. Like that was why you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, that, that's yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you get you, to play golf on Fridays. Yeah. But what happened was workism took over and it affects even them because they they feel that they need to be seen as a workaholic. They need. Right. It, it, they, be, they it's define, a self-causing problem. The only reason you get promoted is because you work hard. So you, you know, you have to. You have to At do least more of that. Be seen as though you deserved it. And I that's think. the that is such the that's the important distinction because it's yeah, about being it's seen to work hard than it is to actually work. And so you have performative working. It's 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 busy work, it's things that appear to be hard work but aren't. And and it everything starts to become a sham. Oh no, let me put on my red hunting cap and uh <laughs> very this has all gotten very catcher in the rye, but it's true. Right. You know, it it is it is a sham. You no, know, I like very I didn't when I had to read that book in high school, I didn't like it at all. And I should yeah. read it now because I probably would I probably would <laughs> understand and identify I, with a lot. More. I never I never read it. It wasn't one of the books we read in our high school curriculum. Um, and everyone I knew who was into it, like, kind of like drove me nuts. So I didn't, yeah. I was like, well, I probably won't read this book, but I, I read I it. I interpreted it as a lot of teenage angst rather than actual yeah. like social commentary. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I read it and I was like, oh, dang. Yeah. I'm, this is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, no, that's getting off, but the, the whole, the whole, fakeness of the world that we've constructed and then and then, and it causes us to all be um working and toiling on yeah, things we're that have all no toiling for for what are frankly increasingly smaller wages um you know as as inflation goes up as we talked about last week yeah so you know uh, yeah so the, the uh, what is the takeaway? Because we can be like, all right, that's the show. Um, 
<laughs> the takeaway Everything, is everything's terrible. But the takeaway is work less and don't feel bad about working less. Yeah. It's I, I think you're seeing a little bit of a reaction to this. Yeah. Um as people talk more about self-care and whatever, but even that becomes performative. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, people are becoming more and more aware of the stress and, you know, you have like mindfulness and stuff too. Um, that, yeah, people are becoming more and more aware of the effects of overwork and that it's just, it's, it's unsatisfying and it's unhealthy. So that's and, my, that's my, I, I guess my thing is if you think that, you know, working a whole lot and not getting paid very much is BS. You're right. And you're, you're right. also not alone. Right. And, and the, and the only way that as, um, as a society, we're going to deal with it is if we all begin to acknowledge that truth and stop cowing to, um, this, this need we feel like we have to be, be workists that we we have to pretend to love all this um because if we all buy if we all just decide no we're done then the power is gone you know what i mean like if we all look behind the curtain then you know the wizard of oz loses his power like right <laughs> you know if we all stop pretending to believe the fiction then it loses power over us Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, while I definitely wouldn't do this in case my employer is listening, I would definitely recommend committing all kinds of time theft and, <laughs> you know, and, what, you know no, what I think, I think the think, lesson is, you know what I think the lesson is work, what you, what you think you, you're, you are being paid for. Mm. That's it. Right. Mine was probably more serious than what we were going to say. Well, the overall lesson I think is question everything. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing I was not prepared for this I'm trying and I'm learning Thank you for your patience There's so many mistakes I have already made But I'm working to be better day by day And I think I'm gonna make it But for now I'll say I have no 